Welcome to a Mahon Hadar podcast. My name is Rabbi Eli Confer, and today we'll be talking about Ritzei, which is the 17th blessing of the Amida. This blessing has a number of strange features, which we're going to analyze, but we're really going to be looking at two larger questions. One, what is the relationship between a particular blessing in the Amida and any other blessing in the Amida? And number two, how might I relate to the concept of sacrifice, which seems to be central to this blessing? We're going to first read the blessing and note the strange aspects of the way the blessing flows. As I read through, you can follow along in the first source on the source sheet. You'll note that the first four lines seem to be focused on one set of themes and words, whereas the last two lines seem to take a completely different turn. I'll read it out loud and you can see and hear the difference. Ritzei Adonai Eloheinu b'amchai Yisrael u'bitfilatam v'hashevet ha'avodah lidvir beitecha v'ishe Yisrael u'tfilatam b'ahavat tekabel b'ratzon u'tehila ratzon tamid avodat Yisrael amecha and in English, the blessing reads, Accept, Adonai our God, your nation Israel and their prayers. Return the worship to your sanctuary, or literally, the speaking place of your house. And the fires of Israel and their prayers receive with love and acceptance. And may the worship of Israel, your nation, be acceptable always. Now, if you're going to stop the blessing there, you would note only a few terms that seem to repeat over and over again. The idea of ritze or ratzon, which means accept or will or perhaps with love. You would also note the repetition of um, sacrifice, either in the term avodah or ishe Israel, the fires of Israel, and also the theme of tefillah, the prayer, bitfilatam, tefilatam tekabel. However, when you get to the end of the blessing, we have another theme that pops up. May our eyes witness your return to Zion in mercy. Blessed are you, God, who returns his presence to Zion. So why is it that a blessing that seems to be speaking about accepting Israel's sacrifice and, together with the concept of prayer, all of a sudden shift toward the end of the blessing to talk about God's return to Zion? In order to answer this question, we'll note that this blessing has undergone a significant editing process in its history. This is due mainly to the fact that a blessing that speaks about God receiving and accepting sacrifice is no longer particularly useful in a world in which the temple no longer stands. And therefore, you have this odd situation where a blessing speaks about a time where the temple stands the first part of the blessing, and then shifts to a request for God to return to Zion, presumably in order to restore this opportunity for sacrifice. Now, we know that the main theme of this blessing was about sacrifice just from its name. It is known as avodah, service or worship, which is mentioned in the Mishnah a number of times, which speak of this blessing simply as avodah, and it precedes either Birkat Kohanim, which we experience as the last blessing of the Amida, 
or Hoda'ah, which is the second-to-last blessing of the Amida. Either way, the theme of this blessing, as it originally was constituted, was clearly about sacrifice. And indeed, the original ending of the blessing read completely differently. Now, how this blessing read originally is a bit of a debate, but already as far back as Rashi, there are attempts to reconstruct how the original blessing ended. And Rashi claims that the blessing ended either, Blessed are you, God, who receives the worship of his nation Israel with acceptance, Hamikabel avodat amo Yisrael biratzon, or avod, whom we alone worship in fear. Either way, whichever choice Rashi is describing here, they make mention of the themes of the blessing, avodah, and in the first option, avodah and ratzon. Either of these endings to the blessing would be completely natural and make sense in a blessing that speaks about service. The fact that the blessing changed speaks to the idea that blessings change as a result of reality. When there is no sacrifice to be accepted, then the blessing can no longer read, Blessed are you, God, whom we worship, whom we sacrifice to in fear. But I want to make a different point about the editing of this blessing. It's, of course, interesting to see how history intervenes in the style and the formal structure of the blessing at its end. But the meaning of the blessing is so much deeper than a historical updating. And in order to do that, we have to notice the way in which this blessing is actually in dialogue with other blessings in the Amida itself. In order to look at this issue more closely, I want to invite you to look at the comparison chart that lays out our blessing with the fifth blessing of the Amida, which is the blessing about returning, Hashivenu, along with the 16th blessing of the Amida, the blessing that asks God to hear our prayers. Now, what I want to argue is that our blessing, as it currently reads, is in dialogue directly with these two blessings. Let's first look at the connection between Shema Kolenu and our blessing Ritzei. Shema Kolenu is a blessing that asks God to accept or to hear our prayer, and indeed uses some of the sacrificial terms like Ratzon and Kabel in relationship to prayer as opposed to sacrifice. Listen to this line from Shema Kolenu, V'kabel berachamim uveratzon et tefilatenu. Accept with mercy and with will our prayers. Compare that line with the phrase in our blessing, Utefilatam biahava tekabel biratzon, and their prayers with love, except with will. These words are almost exactly the same as the words in Shema Kolenu. Now, one basic rule of the Amida is that every blessing is a unit in and of itself and does not need to repeat themes that have already happened. So the fact that our blessing, Ritzei, repeats the themes and the words that just preceded it in the blessing Shema Kolenu points to a larger comparison that is being made, which, I would argue, is the connection between Avodah and Tefillah, the connection between sacrifice and prayer. Now, this is a connection that the rabbis already indicated in an early midrash that reads, 
וכשם שעבודת מזבח קרויה עבודה, כך תפילה קרויה עבודה. Just as the service of the altar, עבודת מזבח, is called עבודה, is called service, so too תפילה, or the עמידה, is called service. The idea that the word avodah can mean both sacrifice and prayer is an early concept that comes out specifically in our version of this blessing. You could imagine an earlier blessing in which tefillah was not referenced at all. And the fact that it is drawing the same language as Shema Koleinu, which precedes it, is indicating that it's trying to be in dialogue and purposefully repeating some of the language that is associated in the worshiper's mind with tefillah and inserting that in the prayer for sacrifice. I think what's even more interesting is the connection between our prayer, Ritzay, and the fifth blessing of the Amida, Hashivenu, which is a blessing for God to accept our repentance, our tshuva. And the connection between this blessing and Ritzay, although not often made, becomes obvious when you start to look at the similar language that runs throughout. In the blessing for repentance, it reads, Hashivenu avinu l'toratecha, return us, our Father, to your Torah, Vikarvenu malkenu l'avodatecha, and draw us near, our King, to your avodah, to your service. Now, if you were designing a blessing that's simply about tshuva, Line two, v'karvenu malkenu la'avoratecha, has no real place. These are words, korvenu, like korban, sacrifice, and avodah, which we understand to mean either service or worship, but not particularly about repentance, that make an appearance without any need. The blessing itself could have simply referred to tshuva without these sacrificial terms. Now continue reading in the blessing, and you'll see more linguistic similarities to our blessing. Return us in a full repentance before you, which is very similar to our language in the blessing, the word hachazir, the hifil of chazar, causing to return, only appears in these two blessings. In our blessing, we're asking God to return God's presence to Zion, whereas in the blessings for repentance, we're asking God to return us in repentance before God. Finally, the end of the blessing of repentance reads, Baruch Atah Hashem, blessed are you God, Harotzeh B'Tshuva, who desires repentance. Tshuva makes sense for the theme of the blessing, but the word Rotzeh, except, is something that is typically used with sacrifice, and indeed is the beginning of our blessing, Ritzeh. So what you see here is a blessing that is our blessing, the blessing that speaks about God accepting prayer and accepting sacrifice and returning to Zion, is in direct linguistic dialogue with the blessing about God returning us in full repentance to God. Now what I want to argue here is that the relationship between these two blessings goes beyond the literary but actually makes a theological claim. What we are asking God for in our blessing is God to return to Zion. What we are asking God for in the blessing of Tshuva is for us to return to God in a different state. And when you put these together, there is a dual returning. We return to God in repentance, and then God returns to Zion and restores God's presence on earth. 
I think the ordering of these blessings also speaks to the ordering in which this might happen. Once we return in repentance, then we can reasonably ask God to return God's presence to Zion. But without our repentance, without our returning, God will not be returning. Beyond the literary links between our blessing and the two other blessings in the Amidah that help underscore the theological claims of our blessing, I want to conclude with the question of how we relate to sacrifice in our own prayers, especially in a time when we do not make real sacrifices in the temple in Jerusalem. Now, this issue has long uh, bothered editors of the Sidur in the modern period, and a great statement of, of this concern comes from Robert Gordis, who was on the committee that produced the first conservative Sidur, the Silverman Sidur that came out in the mid-1940s. Writing about Our Blessing, Gordis says the following, In Ritzay, the words V'ishei Yisrael could not be reinterpreted. When these two words are deleted, the prayer becomes a fervent plea for restoration of the center of our faith to Jerusalem. Now, the words V'ishei Yisrael, which Gordis refers to, are just one example of the way in which that Sidur eliminated words that referred to sacrifice from the prayers. However, we're going to explore whether these words, V'ishei Yisrael, could in fact be reinterpreted and, if they are interpreted, how that might bring some meaning into our own prayer lives. Now here I'm influenced by Rabbi Jeremy Kalmanovsky, who wrote a wonderful essay called Accepting Ishei Yisrael with Love. In trying to understand what the term Ishei Yisrael could mean, we're brought a midrash from the medieval commentary, the Tosfot, on the following Talmudic passage. In Menachot 110a, the Talmud states, Michael, the archangel, stands and sacrifices on it, on the heavenly altar, a sacrifice. Now, Tosfot writes on this line, there are divergent midrashim on this. One says the souls of the righteous, and the other says he offers fiery sheep. So in trying to understand Ishei Yisrael, we have two options. One is that it means the souls of the righteous, nishamot tzadikim, and the other is that it's Ishei Yisrael, kvasim shel esh, fiery sheep. Now, exploring the first option, Tosfot says, that this is what we're actually speaking about when we say Ishe Yisrael in the blessing in the Amidah. This first opinion, writes Tosfot, is as we say in the 18 blessings, the Shemona Esrei, in the Avoda blessing, our blessing, we'd say, the Ishe Yisrael in their prayer, may you speedily receive with acceptance. So what does it mean for this image of Ishe Yisrael to refer to the, the souls of the righteous? Probably the Midrash is reading it not as Ishei coming from Ish, from fire, but rather Ishei coming from Ish, Anashim, the people of Israel, and therefore speaking about the Nishmoteim Shel Tzadikim, the souls of the righteous. But if Michael is sacrificing the souls of the righteous, then we simply have raised another problem while solving one. We're not talking about sacrificing animals on the altar. We're talking about sacrificing the souls of people on the heavenly altar. What could that mean, and how could that be meaningful in our context? 
In order to understand how this might be meaningful, we have to understand the way in which korban, sacrifice, is actually not an ideal translation. Sacrifice doesn't express the root of korban, which is lekarev, to draw near. Korban is an act that is meant to draw people near to God. Or as the Arucha Shulchan writes about it, the meaning of the offering of souls refers to those souls who attain such ecstatic delight as they cleave literally to the supernal light. This delight is infinite and limitless. And thus, the meaning of korban, sacrifice, is derived from hitkarvut, drawing near. Vizeu lashon korban, lashon hitkarvut. Now, when we think of sacrifice not as blood and guts and knives and altars, but rather an opportunity to experience the closeness and the drawing near to God, this metaphor may open up a whole new pathway of meaning. There are two beautiful Midrashim that bring this out, and I want to close by reading them both. The first is a compare and contrast between animal sacrifice and human sacrifice, as it were. But again, here we're not talking about slaughtering, we're talking about drawing near. This comes from Vayikarabba Parshazayan. Rabbi Abba Bar Yudan said, Whatever was declared unfit concerning animals was declared kosher for people. Just as an animal was declared unfit, a blind or broken animal do not offer to Hashem, don't put fire to them, says Leviticus 22.22, so a human was declared fit. A broken and dejected heart, God doesn't scorn. That is to say, the sacrifice that is being made in an animal is the opposite of a human sacrifice. An animal must be perfect, but a human sacrifice, a human that is trying to draw near, is specifically one who is nishbar v'nidke, who is broken. Rabbi Alexandri said, if a commoner uses a broken vessel, it's a disgrace to him. But the Holy One, blessed be he, all of his vessels are broken. As it said, God is close to the brokenhearted. And it says, who heals the brokenhearted. Not only are we meant to draw near to God in the metaphor of sacrifice, but the connection between us and animals is actually 180 degrees opposite. Animals are meant to be a perfect offering, but humans are meant to be drawn near as they are, brokenhearted, broken-spirited, That's who God wants. That's who God desires to draw close. And we'll end with the last Midrash, which is the idea of what we are doing when we pray. Rabbi Pinchas, Rabbi Levi, and Rabbi Yochanan said in the name of Menachem de Galia, the one who passes before the ark, that is, who literally leads the Amida, don't say to him, Bo v'hid palel, come and pray. Rather, Bo v'karev, come and sacrifice, or perhaps more accurately, Come and draw near. The idea of tefillah and of leading tefillah is to evoke the sacrificial image, not in the slaughtering side of the image, but rather in the drawing near part of the image. So when we think about our blessing, and specifically those words, Ishe Yisrael, which were claimed not to be able to be reinterpreted, there is this sense that if we are willing to try to reinterpret the concept of sacrifice, sacrifice can be another way of saying we hope to draw near, le karev, to draw near to God in our act of prayer. 
So when we look at this blessing, we see that it has undergone an editing that updates it to the times in which there are no more sacrifices to be said in the temple. That editing evokes other prayers in the Amida, the prayer about God accepting tefillah, which is connected to avodah, but more significantly, the prayer that speaks about us returning to God in repentance. And once we have the image of sacrifice no longer about actual real sacrifice in the temple, we can delve into the metaphor of sacrifice as an opportunity, le karev, to draw near. And thus this blessing is offering us an opportunity to bring our own repentance, blessing number five of the Amida, as an opportunity to bring ourselves closer to God through the metaphor of sacrifice, of korban. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. For more on Ritze, I invite you to listen to the podcast of my colleague, Dina Weiss. And for more about the melodies associated with the Amida and how to best use them, I invite you to listen to the podcast of my colleague, Joey Weisenberg.